Could we have the center row of lights, please? This is not the subject I would ordinarily choose for tonight, but given a circumstance in our church, it's the one for tonight. I love the subject because I was a rebel against it, and all it did was steal all the pleasure and peace that I could have had when I was a teenager, and I'm thankful for the Lord showing it to us, and we want to defend it and teach it and preach it as boldly and thoroughly as possible. And so I hope that you'll join with me in a subject that you already know, but let's review it and establish it. And most of us in here are still children with living parents. Let us see how it applies to each of us. Honoring parents is one of the most important subjects that you can be taught. Based on its emphasis in the Bible, it's the first authority structure you meet with. It's the first commandment with promise, and God judges it severely When you do not keep it. Some recent instruction I read to you from Malachi 4. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers. Lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. The last two verses of our Old Testaments. We also looked at Luke chapter 1. As the angel spoke to Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist, for he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. We also looked at Psalm 19, where we read that the law of the Lord is perfect on this subject as well as others. The testimony of the Lord is sure on this subject and others. The statutes of the Lord about honoring parents are right. His commandment in this matter is pure. His fear is clean. And His judgments are true and righteous altogether. We also looked at the 10th verse of that psalm where it said, More to be desired are those commandments, statutes, judgments, and precepts than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. And furthermore, David wrote, Moreover by them, that is God's commandments and statutes, is thy servant warned. And in keeping of them there is great reward. Literally. It's the first commandment with promise. And it's one that God does bless. And I want to encourage you that this is a very important subject For everyone here. We also looked at Romans 7.12, where we read from Paul's pen, Wherefore the law is holy, and the commandment holy, and just, and good. Paul was referring to the tenth commandment. Tonight we're referring to the fifth. But they're holy, and just, and good. We also learned on Sunday, we're reminded from Galatians 4.18, That it is good to be zealously affected always in a good thing. And this is a good thing. And it is good if we're zealously affected in this good thing. And not only when I am present with you, Paul would say to that, the churches of Galatia. Here's our text. Every child should learn these verses when they're young. Ephesians 6, 1 through 3 are easy to memorize and they are for children. 
But we're focusing on verses 2 and 3. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. If you tremble before God's word and appreciate the wisdom from heaven, these two verses are precious. Here's the simple commandment. Honor thy father and mother. Then the Lord wants to remind you that he attached a promise to this commandment before any other commandment. This is the God of heaven reminding you of a little fact that he doesn't want you to overlook. It's the first commandment with promise. And what are those promises? That it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. The terminology sounds similar to what God told Solomon in 1 Kings 3. It went well for Solomon, and he had a long life. Honor thy father and mother is the commandment. It's God's perfect commandment. Only he can define what honor means. You can't. God has. Only he puts any limits on honoring parents. We don't. We submit to God's holy word. He created and ordained both offices, the office of father and the office of mother, and he perfectly chose both of your parents. And it is thee that must give the honor. No one else can do it for you. When it says honor thy father and mother, that's a singular second person pronoun referring to you. No one else can do it for you. You can't hide behind anyone else. How good are each of us at this commandment? How well are we keeping it? It's the first commandment with promise. God himself chose to attach the promise, not Paul. He reminds you of this unusual fact that it's the first commandment with promise by putting it in parentheses for you in that verse. The commandment must be important for God to attach promised blessings to it. God added the reward to honor parents. He gave us additional incentive as children to honor our parents for the welfare of parents, the protection of parents, the honor of parents, and the exaltation of their office. And the promises he added are rich. Rich promises if you believe the word of God. I believe the word of God. That it may be well with thee. That you can have a prosperous life. There are people that pray for all kinds of career advice, financial advice, estate planning, and other information, but here is advice from the God of heaven for you to have a prosperous life. When God promises that it may be well with thee, that's fabulous news. That is a fabulous commitment on the part of the God of heaven to bless your efforts in life. Everyone wants everything to go well. Who wouldn't love that verse? I want you to think career. Your career will be, will go well if you will honor your father and mother, your father-in-law, your mother-in-law, your in-laws, your step-parents, your grandparents, whatever God has given you to honor. Think spouse. You want a good spouse? You want your spouse to love you? You want your spouse to have a tender heart towards you? Show that tender heart towards your parents and God will bless you. How about your children? then show it as a great child to your parents. How about money? It all works. Think spiritual fellowship with God. If you want to be close to the Lord, then make sure you're a people or a person prepared for the Lord by honoring your parents. 
think joy, peace, hope, contentment. I did not have any of those things when I was a disobedient teenager. But these are things that God can bless us with by the power of the Holy Ghost. They're found, they're all found in one verse. Romans 15, 13. That thou mayest live long on the earth. Physical health is added to prosperity. Longevity is right here in this text. It's not in diet or exercise. It's not in medicine. These promises approach Solomon's. We should be excited with this text of Scripture. And the cost? What does it cost for me to have a blessed life? What does it cost for me to live a long life and for it to go well with me? Simply honor your parents. Let's read it again. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. Is Ephesians 6, 2 and 3 alone in the Bible? Is this a solitary statement? No, not a chance. It's a quote of Exodus twenty twelve. It's a quote of Deuteronomy five sixteen. Jesus quoted it in Matthew fifteen four, and Jesus quoted it in Mark seven ten. Honoring your parents is one of the ten commandments. There's a great reward promised for doing it. Capital punishment is the appropriate response to it. It's the foundation for all relationships, and it's emphasized throughout the Bible. Now, here are four men. We see a 75-year-old grandfather sitting in the chair, holding on his lap a zero-years-old great-grandson. He has a 50-year-old son at his right shoulder and a 25-year-old grandson at his left shoulder. How do those four effectively, efficiently, and prosperously handle a section of United States property? Given the age of that photograph, you know that they didn't have all our witty inventions. How do they make a living and succeed as a family? By keeping God's commandments toward each other. That little guy that is sitting on great-grandpa's lap, he doesn't even know that he shouldn't do-do on himself. He doesn't know anything. There is a total vacuum between his ears, and there will be for a while. His father is the 25-year-old. Now that 25-year-old is going to have to suffer through drought and some hard times. He's going to have to borrow money and not know how he's going to pay it back. He's going to have to work and not see the end of the work that's needed in order for him to ever hope that in the future, with some day in God's blessing, he might amount to the wisdom that is in his father, who is 50. And the 50-year-old father is missing 25 years of enhanced learning that can only occur after the age of 50 that reside in the experience of the old man. This is a family. And God designed how it would work, and God made everything good and very good. And our God is a God of order. And He has ordained that that man sitting in a chair is to be treated next to God. If there is anyone in the Bible that should be called reverend, it is never a minister of the gospel. It is a father. Malachi 1.6, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 9. Children should give their fathers reverence. That man should be called reverend if any man on earth should be called reverend. Sitting in the chair. By his son, by his grandson, who also calls his father reverend, and by the little tyke. You know, we teach daddy. Daddy. 
And daddies sometimes call their boys, hey bud, let's go out and play ball. But there needs to be some measure of separation there because there is authority and it's God-given authority and you don't want to corrupt it, it will eat your family up. I love the Lord. I love His Word. It tells us how those four can take a section of property, many hundreds of acres, and work it to the profit of all, if they'll do it God's way. What is God's way? Sorry, this slide slipped in again. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee on thy section of property, and thou mayest live long on the earth to be able to hold thy great-grandson in thy lap. We, have, we face a challenge. God said that a reprobate mind that He judges men with, and that judgment is upon our nation, includes children disobeying parents. God will judge His church by replacing strong men with arrogant children. Carnal Christianity includes this evil error of disobedient children. I read from Romans chapter 1, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, that mess up a family like I just showed you. Disobedient to parents is listed along with other inconvenient things like sodomy. Who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Disobedience to parents is a judgment of God upon a people who are not thankful and who have turned away from Him. The challenge. From Isaiah 3, how God took away strong men out of His church. For behold, the Lord, the Lord of hosts, doth take away from Jerusalem the city of His worship, and from Judah the tribe of His Son, the mighty man. God takes away that mighty man in the chair and the 50-year-old son standing at his right hand. And the prudent and the ancient. He takes away wise, strong, old men. And I will give children to be their princes. And babes shall rule over them. And the people shall be oppressed. The child shall behave himself proudly against the ancient. When I talk about arrogant children disobeying, I'm just quoting Scripture. And the base against the honorable. New Testament, perilous times. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come for men, and this is Christian men, shall be lovers of their own selves. Worldly men have always been lovers of their own selves. Christian men shall be lovers of their own selves, and among Christians, disobedience to parents will be on the increase. Lovers of pleasures, more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. The power of godliness is that God has the authority to tell you to honor your parents, and how far that honor extends. And from such, we should turn away. The challenge... A reprobate mind from God includes children disobeying parents. God judges His people by replacing strong men with arrogant children. And carnal Christianity includes this evil error of children being disobedient. The Ten Commandments. The fifth one is on the left table at the bottom. Honor thy father and thy mother. Thank you, God of heaven, 
for giving us such a good word and for blessing us if we will keep it. Okay, what is honor? What does it mean to honor your parents? God's commandments are broad. David said, I have seen an end of all perfection, but thy commandment is exceeding broad. And we want to learn to, we want to learn to pull God's commandments out. And I hope that this will be helpful to you and me. The fifth commandment is honor. Obedience is also a commandment, but it's not one of the Ten Commandments, and it shouldn't be confused with honor. Honor requires obedience. If you're going to honor your parents, you have to obey them. But you can obey your parents without honoring them. I want to tell you a little something right now. Obedience goes down as you get older. Honor goes up as you get older. A small child cannot honor his parents. Only an older person can honor parents. A little child can obey parents by not licking his two fingers and sticking them in a wall socket. That's obedience. But that little child that is taught a commandment like that at the age of one or two does not know how to honor parents. He does not know how to praise, thank, treat special, and set them up on high. I want you to think about that. Honoring parents does not go down with age. It goes up. As our parents become weaker and weaker and need more and more, more and more honor is to come to bear toward them. Honor is the key duty, because that's the one Paul quoted in Ephesians 6, 2, and 3. It's the one in the table of the commandments, and that's what the one we stress. Because it goes beyond bare obedience. We can obey somebody. Wives know this. Men on the job know this. We can obey someone while inside we do not give them mental honor, and outside we don't give them much honor. I want honor. That's why it's honoring your parents tonight. Honoring widows in 1 Timothy chapter 5 is financial help. See, a two-year-old can't help mom and dad much financially, except to get to the poor house sooner by eating them out of house and home. Honoring widows is financial help. When it says honor widows that are widows indeed in 1 Timothy 5, it doesn't mean to call them ma'am. It means to support them when they're in the number of the widows indeed of the church. Honoring God is financial giving. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thy increase. It's grown children that do so in these cases. It is requiting your parents. It's repaying them. A two-year-old can't repay parents in any way, shape, or form. But a 60-year-old man can repay his 80-year-old father by taking care of him at the end. And Dave, you did a lot of that. You were a good example of daily care of your father. And you have a wife that showed daily care of your father. It is demanded by God and nature. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, the Bible says, If a man does not provide for his own, and that is not directed downward, that is directed upward from grown children to their failing parents, if a man does not provide for his own, especially they of his own household, he has denied the faith. Thank God that we have such a religion that provides for our parents. We have a welfare system, and it's children taking care of their parents when they're in need. Now, if those parents have done their job, the Bible says that a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. The Bible says the children ought not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. However, 1 Timothy 5 says if we don't take care of 
the upstream in our family tree, we have denied the faith and we are worse than an infidel because even the infidels that do not believe in Jehovah take better care of their families. What is honor? You say, I want to know what honor is. Well, it's related to fear. You say, fear? Yes. Look at this text. Ye shall fear every man his mother and his father and keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. It's the same kind of fear we ought to have of God. It's not one where we hide in terror in the corner, but we certainly do tread lightly when we're in His presence, and we do not want to displease Him, and we want to do everything we can to worship, honor, and glorify Him. It's related to fear. It's also related to respect. In Leviticus 19.15, I don't have time, my brothers and sisters, to go to each one of these verses. It's related to rising up. You will stand up before the hoary head and give him honor. So you will get out of your chair and stand up. That is associated with honor. It's the kind of things a person does to show deference to a person in a position that deserves some honor. It's related to making someone high. It's related to glory and giving them glory. These are all verses that compare honor to a synonym. It's related to preferring a person, showing preference for them instead of yourself. It's related to reverence, which I've already mentioned. It's the opposite of cursing. It's the opposite of setting light or ever speaking lightly to them or about them. These are all Bible references about treating parents. It's the opposite of despising your mother when she is old. It's the opposite of not blessing. So if you're not blessing, you have fallen into a terrible problem because Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 11 says that you are a bad child if you don't bless. So there's a requirement for positive action on your part towards your parents. To bless them. Thank them. Praise them. Remind them. Tell them you love them. It's the opposite of rolling your eyes in Proverbs 30 and verse 17. What is honor? It's fulfilling unspoken desires. They haven't commanded you anything, but you know what they want. Go get it for them. Or go do it for them. It's eagerly obeying. Beyond just cooperation. It's never jesting with or about them. Lord help us in the frivolous 21st century. It's openly communicating when they ask you. When they ask you, what are you thinking? Or what are you doing? Or what are your plans? You open up and tell them. You are dishonoring them. You would, n- If you didn't tell your boss what you're thinking or what you're planning or what you're doing when he asks you, he would simply fire you. If you were in the military and we had a real military, they would simply shoot you. It's following them in matters of liberty. Not every time, but many times. You want to honor your parents. If your parents have a matter of liberty that's important to them, you better think about it. You say, where in the world do you have that in the Bible? Well, there's a whole chapter dedicated to it, and it's Jeremiah 35. And it's how God loved the house of Jonadab, the Rechabite, for his sons, grandsons, and great-grandsons following him in a matter of liberty. If you're honoring somebody, you want to know what their liberties are. We honor each other that way by treading lightly in things that we know that might offend someone else. And we should certainly do that with our parents. It's gifts and services done voluntarily. It's complimenting, praising, and thanking them. 
Remember, it's lifting them up and putting them on high. It's cheerful in all dealings, without any begrudging respect. It's being cheerful. Physical affection is easy and sincere. You want to hug them. You want to kiss them. You say, well, we just never did that in my family. Well, then start it. You say, prove it from a Bible. I'm headed there. Do you think I'd put that in here if we can't prove it from a Bible? I hope I wouldn't do that. It's special treatment whenever possible. When can you take them a treat? What can you do nice for them? If you think it's hard listening, I wish I could quit and take two that are in this audience right now for dessert somewhere, but I know they're fuller than full. Thank you very much, Andrea. What is honor? Look at this text. Get excited. If you love the Word of God, why is this in the Bible? And Moses went out to meet his father-in-law. What was his father-in-law's name? Jethro. Moses went out to meet. Moses was a great man. How old was Moses? At this point, at least, at least 80. He was a great man. He was great in the learned wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was great in Israel. He was their leader, their single solitary leader. Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and did obeisance. That means to bow and scrape. That means a physical gesture of showing honor to another more important person. I love the Bible. Where's your father, Sherry? Get him on the line. And kissed him. And he asked him of his welfare. How are you doing, Dad? How are you doing, Father? And then brought him into his tent. Moses was an aged and great man. Moses went to meet his father-in-law. He did obeisance to him. He kissed him. He asked about his welfare and took him into his home. That is honoring a father-in-law. What is honor? Bathsheba therefore went unto King Solomon to speak unto him for Adonijah. And the king rose up to meet her. Solomon was a king. Solomon on his weakest day, fully intoxicated, had ten times the brain power of his mother. He sat on a throne the likes of which the world maybe has never seen. He was a great king, but he rose up to meet his mother. He did not say, I'm too busy for you. I don't have time right now. Call me next week. And bowed and bowed himself unto her. And sat down on his throne and caused a seat to be set for the king's mother. I want another throne out here right now. And let me tell you, there were some guys that were wondering if they would be, get home that night from work. If they could get that throne set up soon enough. And she sat on his right hand. And what is the right hand in the Bible that every Jewish king knew about? It was the place of preeminent honor. He couldn't put her in his own throne because God put him in that throne. But he got her a throne and a seat as close as he could to that. Solomon was a very great king. He rose up to meet his mother. He bowed himself unto her. He ordered a special seat for her. She sat in honor. She sat in honor at his right hand. What is honor? When Jesus, therefore, while he's hanging on the cross of Calvary, saw his mother... And the disciples standing by, whom he loved, that's John, 
He saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. Jesus was not saying, Woman, behold thy son, saying, Mommy, look at how much I'm suffering. He wasn't directing Mary to him. He was directing Mary to John. And then he directed John to Mary. While he is on the cross, near death, preoccupied with much of his father's business, he did not seek his mother's pity. He didn't call her for help. He made provisions for her welfare, and he presumed on a friend for his mother's sake. He pulled what is sometimes called pulling an ace to presume on a friend for his mother. John had to take Mary in for the rest of her life by order of a man who honored his mother, our Lord Jesus Christ. How important is it? It's the fifth command of Almighty God. It's the first commandment with a promise. It's an article of faith that infidels do. The Bible assumes parental reverence Throughout the Bible, it speaks of fathers as being reverenced. And it's an identified fault of false Christianity. How important is it? God created the two offices, father and mother. He chose your two parents in those offices. It's the first authority relationship in life. If you violate it, you are fighting against God himself. And parental faults do not alter the duty at all. How important is it? How important is it? It was enforced by capital punishment. You say, well, I know about this passage. Well, good. Let's see if you know about all of them. Let's start with this one. If a man have a stubborn and rebellious son, which will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, then shall his father and his mother lay hold on him and bring him out unto the elders of his city and under the gate of his place. And all the men of his city shall stone him with stones, that he die. So shalt thou put evil away from among you. This is how you do it. You don't send them off to a different school. You don't let them go live with an aunt or an uncle. This is how you did it. When God was in charge of the laws of a nation. And all Israel shall hear and fear. Do you know what that means? It means that the local high school got better, remarkably so, in one day. What was the crime? A stubborn and rebellious son. He that smiteth his father or his mother shall be surely put to death. Did you know that was in the Bible? This is not true in any other case. You touch your parent, God wants to cut your head off. There is no such commandment about a parent touching their children. Not even anything close. A master could beat his servant to the edge of death. And God exonerated him because God knew that a master wouldn't do that unless the servant deserved it. Because he is his money. And because he is his child. This is the direction it works. He that curseth his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. You want to say something wicked about your parents in private in your heart or to them? You shall surely be put to death if God wrote the rules 
of our nation. This is not true in any other case. A man can curse his neighbor. A man can curse his children. A mother can curse her children. She shouldn't. She shouldn't. He shouldn't. And he shouldn't. In the cases I just gave, unless there was a God-blessed reason for doing so, but this was capital punishment. You know, when children shoot their mouths off against their parents, this is how God deals with it. Everyone that curseth his father or his mother shall be surely put to death. He hath cursed his father or his mother. His blood shall be upon him. This is the word of God over and over. Cursed be he that setteth light by his father or his mother. Cursed. In this list of things that are cursed, that Israel was supposed to answer with amen, is include, is, there's sodomy. There's bestiality. These things are corrupt and abominable in the sight of God. Right. If, to set light by your parents. To treat them lightly. Not to honor them. Ezekiel 22. Ezekiel describes that sin as existent among the Jews. In thee have they set light by father and mother. In the midst of thee have they dealt by oppression with the stranger. In thee have they vexed the fatherless and the widow. It's the same as taking advantage of an orphan or a widow when you set light by your parents. Proverbs 20 and verse 20. Whoso curseth his father or his mother, his lamp shall be put out in obscure darkness. This is not true in any other case. The eye that mocketh at his father and despiseth to obey his mother. Facial expressions toward your parents. Facial expressions toward your parents. The ravens of the valley shall pick it out. That is the eye that mocks. And the young eagles shall eat it. What does it look like? It looks like this. When God gets done with a teenager that mocks his parents with his eyes, there's only holes left where those eyeballs once were. And there's only a little bit of red flesh left on those bones. This is God's picture that He wants you to have of what He thinks of children that do not honor their parents. This is simply rolling the eye. Oh, come on. Everyone's doing that. Tossing the head. Rolling the eye. Slamming the door. That is what God thinks. I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right. And I hate every false way. Do you know what this would do to law enforcement in this country if it was practiced? You could lay off 80% of the police departments. How important is it? This is the Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew 15. For God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and mother, and he that curseth father or mother, let him die the death. That's the Lord Jesus quoting the passages from Exodus 21. In Mark 7, he says it again. You say, well, that's, the, that's a, gop- a gospel, so it could be the same event. Yes, and I want to ask you, why did God put it in there twice? Amen. For Moses said, honor thy father and thy mother, and whoso curseth father or mother, let him die the death. That's how important it is. What is the blessing? All men want to live well and they want to live long. Here is how it is best accomplished. This is better than diet or exercise. My children and my brothers and my fathers and mothers in this assembly, not honoring parents is suicide. If you don't want to put your parents up 
and adore them and help them and bless them and treat them kindly and make a big deal over them, you're committing suicide in longevity and or career and or finances and or the way your spouse treats you and or your family and children and or the peace that you have in your soul and in your home. I I wish and I hope before God and I have begged Him to enable me to communicate to you but for Him to take the words and put them in your soul. I want to go home and start all over again because it's that important. It isn't, it isn't an IQ that gets you ahead on the job. The only people that ever think that are the ones in school because they're in a totally different world where the people that are their teachers are paid to flatter them. Do you understand that about a teacher? Their whole existence depends upon flattering you. So they don't lose their job. But when you get out and get a real job, there is no one that's being paid to flatter you. You are going to find out that to get ahead on the job, you need the Lord to open some doors and to provide some blessing and and to help you find favor in the eyes of an interviewer. And how does it all happen? Honor thy father and thy mother. Honor thy... Listen, I hope that we all want to go home and grab the phone. Or do something for our parents. The people prepared for the Lord. The blessing. Honor your parents to obtain honor. You're going to get what you give. If you don't give honor to your parents, then your children aren't going to give it to you. Age destroys pleasure, so give them more as they get older. The evil days are coming. They need more ice cream. You will sow whatever you reap. God said it is good and acceptable. 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 4. These things are good and acceptable in the sight of God. What I'm telling you right now is good and acceptable. God greatly blessed the Rechabites for following their great-grandfather in a matter of liberty and doing it faithfully. Does age matter? It does. It increases your duty of honor. Honor goes up with age because they need you more. Old children honor failing parents. If a parent is failing at the age of 70 or 80, how? what is the age of his children? 50? 60? So in 1 Timothy chapter 5 where it talks about if a man does not provide for his own, we're talking about older children... Providing for ancient parents. Jesus condemned any other action, even for purposes of worship. Do you all remember Corbin? If a child was to dedicate their stuff, their assets, to the temple eventually, like a faith promise offering, and then tell their parents, I'm sorry, mom and dad, I've committed that to the temple, I can't give it to you. Jesus said, you are guilty? of violating the commandment that says you should die the death. That's where that came from. It's Matthew 15. Even religion isn't to interfere between a child honoring his parents. Obviously, and I'm going to take three seconds, when that parent requires something contrary to God's Word. Or is a scorner. Matthew 15 is powerful. Jonadab's grandsons honored him, and Moses honored Jethro at, beyond the age of 80. If your mother is old, when you're not supposed to despise her, 
What age are you? Are you a 10-year-old or are you a 50-year-old? Isaac married dad's pick at 40. Jacob went looking for dad's pick at 77 and didn't marry her till he was 84. Samson should have done it. Parental authority, how far does it go? If a man seduces a maid, what is the ordinary solution? And they have sex and she conceives a child. What's the ordinary solution? Marriage. So two teenagers are in love. They fornicate. The girl's pregnant. The ordinary solution is marriage. Can a father say no way? Absolutely. Exodus 22. But I love him, Daddy. But I've got his baby, Daddy. So what? A father can sell daughters to be maids. Maid servants. Do you know what maid service was in the Bible? It was concubinage. Do you know what concubinage means? It means that your daughter would become a man's second-class wife along with being his servant. Fathers could annul any vow of a daughter in their home. Numbers chapter 30. Fathers can keep daughters single for life. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. This isn't Old Testament. It's New Testament. A father was to make the choice. Of course, Paul told him things he had to weigh, including the present distress and the girl's need, but he could make a decision. Not only could she not date Tommy Motorcycle, she was going to remain in his home single. You say that's too much authority. Take it up with the God of heaven. I esteem all his precepts concerning all things to be right, and I hate every false way. If a girl ever submitted to a commandment like that and let her father know it, he would take care of her with all his might and power. I want to tell you about a great daughter. Jephthah was a judge of Israel. He was impulsive, rash, harsh, hard, because he was raised as a bastard. His mother was a prostitute. His father's other children threw him out, and so he had to live as a wild man. He was tough as nails. He was a fighter. He was hard. He had had to survive by fighting his entire life. But when Israel got in trouble, there was only one man they wanted to lead him. Go get Jephthah. Jephthah went to battle, and when he was out there facing the Ammonites, he told the Lord, if you'll give me this victory... Whatever comes out to meet me first on my return home, I'll offer it as a burnt sacrifice to you. That vow was without necessity. Nowhere does God tell us to make such vows. He vowed without knowledge because he could not tell what was going to come out to meet him. He vowed an extreme vow because he was an extreme man. His vow cost his daughter her life. What would a girl do? What should a girl do? Run away from home? She has a harsh, impulsive father. Should she run away from home? I want to show you a real daughter. And she said unto him, My father, if thou hast opened thy mouth unto the Lord, she feared God, and she loved her father. Do to me according to that which hath proceeded out of thy mouth. For as much as the Lord hath taken vengeance for thee of thine enemies, even of the children of Ammon. She feared God, and she said, Father, 
If you've done that, listen. If you've opened your mouth to the Lord, we want to have a Christian family. We're never going to go back when we say something to the Lord. Go, It's me. I'm telling you. Go ahead and do to me whatever you promised the Lord you would do to me. And Father, He gave you the victory. The victory's worth it to me. Go ahead and do what you want to to me for the victory. Jephthah was impulsive and rash. He vowed without necessity. He vowed without knowledge. He vowed extremely. His vow cost his daughter her life. She totally submitted in the fear of God to her father. Now, before we go further, I've taught you before, I don't believe that he offered her as a burnt sacrifice. She was a perpetual virgin for the rest of her life in tabernacle service. That's why she went around and bewailed her virginity for a couple of months. And that's why every year the the virgins of Israel remembered her. That's another subject from their time. It applies to unconverted parents. There's no, there's no distinction in the Bible. Proven scorners do not get full honor. It applies to in-laws and step-parents. We need to guard against excessive familiarity. There's nothing wrong with a good nursing home if the honor is kept up. A good nursing home is actually honoring them by giving them better care than you or your family may be able to give them. Marriage should always be approved by parents. Do your parents have any outstanding requests where you have delayed? Do your parents have any needs you could fulfill to help and honor them? Could you creatively honor them with something special as a surprise? Do you praise your parents to your children? Have you honored your parents by love, admiration, praise, and thanksgiving? And if you have, how recently? What can you do before you go to bed this night for your parents? This is the word of the Lord. This is what I've believed for 35 years. I just wish I could go back 35 years and do a better job of putting it into practice as a son. Give me a couple more minutes. Jamie Grimm needs to be excluded from our church for dishonoring her parents, Mark and Tammy. She left her father's house without permission seven weeks ago, tomorrow. She has refused to return home after many appeals, many warnings by many. She is nothing, nothing like Jephthah's daughter. Are Mark and Tammy perfect parents? Of course not. Did you expect them to be? You're not. So why would you expect them to be? No parents are perfect. And perfect parents or good and gentle parents or forward and obnoxious parents make no difference at all in a child's duty to honor parents. Did her parents contribute to her departure? Of course. All parents contribute to their children's departure by not doing everything perfectly. Every father and every mother in here with excluded or estranged children contributed to their rebellion. But that does not alter the duty of those children to honor them anyway. Honoring parents isn't dependent on the goodness or the perfection of the parents any more than it is for any other authority relationship in life. 
I mean, I'm having a great struggle trying to submit to the present president that we have in this country. And it's only because I fear God and believe the Bible as strongly on that subject as I do this subject that I'm able to pay taxes and to honor him in private and public. The Bible tells us that if you are an employee of a forward master, it's not time to quit, run away, form a union, or sabotage your employer. It's time to show something godly by submitting to grief and suffering wrongfully. <clears throat> True Christianity suffers wrongfully under authority. Right. I've taught all these things so many times, forgive me. Parents are not going to be held hostage in this church by rebellious children who prove that they have selfish and ungodly motives by the way they do things, by their refusal to forgive, and by other symptoms in their lives. Her talk about loving Jesus and walking with God with a clear conscience and assurance that God accepts her, which she shared with some of you, is a lie. First John 2, 4 says, He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar. And the truth is not in him. We have taught that verse. We have taught her that verse. I have reminded her of that verse in writing into her face. It doesn't mean anything because she's already made up her mind that she's not going to obey. She's not going to honor her parents by coming home. Her words and innuendos in the same communication with which she communicated about her great walk with Jesus, her words and innuendos about Mark are worthless and they're wrong. For these reasons, number one, she never sought help before leaving. Two, Mark totally cleared himself with her of anything that he could think of and that his wife and her brother could think of. Lewis and Tammy confirmed there was no reason for her to leave. One witness cannot testify in any matter. It wouldn't matter what she said. It wouldn't even matter if it was true. One witness is inadequate. The Lord arranged that. We trust that wisdom, and I thank God for that wisdom. She made no efforts for a remedy. She just wanted to excuse herself as to why she made her choice. And she showed her heart over recent months by her spirit, actions, and friends, for anyone that was observant. I want to warn parents again about so-called Christian friends that your children find. Observant church members saw this coming for several months. You've told me so. But that's the time you should act, not after someone leaves. If you saw it, you should have done something then. We have a precedent case in this church of how much we believe what I just taught you. Several cases. I want to remind you of them. Because I'm thankful for having a precedent law in our church of how we've applied these verses. In 1990, we excluded a 40-year-old man for disobedience to parents. What was the situation? He wanted to. He was an. He was an, an American, a European American, and he wanted to marry a Filipino bride. His parents said they did not want him to marry another race. While we would have allowed it as a church, we would not allow him to dishonor his parents 
by doing something that was very important to them, we excluded a 40-year-old man from this assembly for marrying a Filipino. Not because of the cultural marriage, or the intercultural marriage, but because of the parents. In about 1990, we excluded a 20-year-old Clemson student who wanted to live on campus instead of with her father. We've been through this a number of times before, and we are going to be consistent. We're going to be consistent with God's Word. Some of you know who I'm speaking about. We have had a precedent example in this church of a 23-year-old daughter who knew that in her father's heart, who was not converted and was not a member of this church, he would have preferred her not to marry a man in our church. And though when she told her father that she wasn't going to marry him because of his preferences, and he said, no, no, wait a minute, I'm not trying to be a dictator over your life. If you want to marry him, you can go ahead and marry him. She knew that in his heart of hearts, he did not want her to marry. So she didn't. Until that father was fully won by the man she married. Every child I've ever baptized, I have warned precisely about this very event coming up. I am sorry that I have baptized. I'm not sorry to you, except for the consequences that it causes in certain ways. I'm sorry to the Lord Jesus Christ that I baptized as early as I did. I wasn't taught well enough, and I didn't study well enough, and I wasn't convicted strong enough to put them off until later. But I can promise you before the Lord Jesus Christ that every single child and everyone in this room knows this to be true. Every single child that I have baptized, I warn precisely about this very event coming up where they would have to choose to obey their father for conscience toward God in a manner that would be costly and painful. Because that to me is the greatest test of a teenager, whether they truly fear God or not. And I taught Jamie that. And I reminded her of that recently, in writing and in person. Any principles or verses that anybody would try to use to justify Jamie at 22 doing what she did, those verses or principles, and there aren't any that are scriptural, but if you could find or raise one, would justify an 18-year-old doing it. And those same verses, if you bring them to me, and those same principles... I'll show you that they justify a 14-year-old doing it. Because you open up a can of worms when you don't settle on Scripture and stay within its limitations. Is there a difference between a 14-year-old and a 22-year-old? In your mind, but not in God's Word. See, God doesn't care about age. It doesn't matter when it comes to parental honor. Oh, there's more things that can be said. She doesn't care about the example that she's being to others. I've asked her and warned her about it. Why did I take so long? Why is it seven weeks later, you might ask? Well, there were strong efforts made for several weeks to recover her. She had two bizarre reappearances here. There's no timetable in the Bible anyway. And I had visitors at every assembly until tonight. She has been reassured repeatedly that she can be easily and joyfully forgiven with repentance and that doors, inboxes, and phones are open 
anytime she finds her right mind. Brethren, this is not the last. Do you know why? Because of the challenge that, that we face. It's part of a reprobate nation. It's part of God's judgment in His church. And it's part of these perilous times that we live in as Christians. It's not the last. Remember those challenges. But I want to exhort every father to do everything in their power to love, encourage, praise, protect, guide, help their children, their daughters. Ending this way disappoints me, frustrates me, and angers me. But my spirit in this matter is with Almighty God. Phinehas, the eagles of the valley, and every parent that's making a reasonable effort to be good parents. I had what I hope is a noble ambition as your pastor to save all your children. I cannot be their father. It's hard enough being a father myself. I can comfort families this way. A little. Isaac had two sons. God loved one. God hated the other. Jacob on his deathbed gathered his twelve sons around him. And what a motley crew of wicked guys they were. And he went from oldest to youngest and reminded them of their terrible sins. Sleeping with his own wife, one of his concubines. Killing a city he had promised to have mercy upon. Trying to, wanting to kill brother number 11. That was Jacob. I remind you of David, a man after God's own heart. There was incest, rape, murder, sedition, and hatred among his children. Yes, much of it was caused by polygamy. But that was a man after God's own heart. This is not to excuse anyone, and don't you dare use such verses as an excuse for you to be negligent as fathers or mothers. But remember that we live in a sinful world, and these children God gives us, they may be hated like Esau was. I believe that is an exception based on God's promises. And he may be fulfilling some of the other reasons as to why bad things happen to Christians that I've preached to you before. If you have any questions about this before Sunday, get them addressed. I'll try to answer them. I've tried to be thorough here. Sunday morning, first thing, we will exclude her from our communion. We will have our two assemblies, and we will have the Lord's Supper to close out our second assembly. I have had a men's meeting. I have brought everything that I've ever taught you to that meeting. I have preached about relationships. Again, I believe every word that I've taught you. I tremble at my own shortcomings with what I've taught you. And I want to run and grab parents first and children next. But I believe every word of this, and I'm not going to back off one syllable of it. I want to commend Mark 
Everyone knows that Mark's a harsh father. No. Correction. Everyone knows that Mark was a harsh father. Hard father. All the, I'm going to quote a young man. I'm going to quote his oldest son. All the more opportunity for us to show our faith and fear of God to endure a harsh father. Nothing else needs to be said about Mark. If you want to say it about Mark, I'm going to say everything that needs to be said about you. Because you're all losers when it comes to being fathers, and so am I. And if it wasn't for the grace of God, and if it wasn't for these rules, family life and authority would break completely apart. I will always side with authority. Always. Because God does. Do you understand that there are no verses in the Bible except Colossians chapter 3 and verse 21 and Ephesians 6 and 4 that even have anything to say to fathers about how they treat their children? Now we know how we should. And I've poured out my soul in the last couple of months to try to remind you of those things. I hope that you'll do them. I told Jamie if she had half the character of her father when I was talking to her you'll be sleeping at his address tonight if you had half the character he does that's all Sunday morning I'll try to answer any questions if you think there's more that needs to be addressed I love the word of God I hope you love it with me God made everything good you know I've got to go home and finish a proverb from Proverbs chapter 30 where the prophet Agur is comparing four things that disquiet the earth. It's a servant when he reigneth, and a fool when he's filled with meat. And the reason those things disquiet the earth is because they break God's order. And we can't let anything break God's order. God created fathers and mothers for children. And if, it's, and if, if the rules are followed that God gave in his word, those four men can sit for a picture like that and can take a section of U.S. property and make it a family estate. And they can love each other and have a joyful family. Now, they didn't look too joyful. So we can do better than that. But let's, let's do that as a church.